0: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, zola. Africa, amuka, na, unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa, rise and shine. This is channel Africa from an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's audio channel 802 and on DSTV's Rather and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Tabitha Lohoko, and Ningwati. In our top stories, on Africa, Rise and Shine at the Sawa. Congolese welcome ICC dis- sentencing of Ntakanda, Zimbabwe's commercial farmers worried about farm invasions. And UN General Assembly overwhelmingly adopts an annual resolution on the necessity of ending the economic blockade imposed by the U.S. on Cuba. But first up, the news with Anne Musa.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
3: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. South Sudan's leaders have failed to reach an agreement to reach agreement on a power-sharing unity government. President Akira and his deputy, Rahik Machan, say they need an extra 100 days. Missing next week's UN deadline could result in sanctions being imposed by the United States. The leaders met in the Ugandan capital, Kampala. The BBC's Space Shearns Atuhere reports. The opposition leader and former Vice President
4: Riek Mashar had wanted a six-month extension to iron out concerns over the unification of the army as well as issues over state boundaries. This is the second time the deadline for the formation of a unity government in South Sudan has been extended since a peace deal was signed in 2018. A review of the latest extension will be held after the first 50 days. War broke out in South Sudan in November 2013 when forces loyal to Mr. Mashar clashed with President Salva Kiir's protection unit.
3: The International Criminal Court in The Hague has sentenced former Congolese warlord Boskundaganda to 30 years in prison. He was convicted in July on multiple charges of war crimes and crimes against humanity. The sentence is the longest that the RCC has ever he- handed down. The BBC's Anna Hulligan reports. The judge ran through an extensive list of harrowing atrocities, including keeping sex slaves and raping girls, some as young as nine years old, killings and the conscription
5: of children under the age of 15 to fight in his armed forces. The sentence of 30 years is designed to serve both as retribution and a deterrent to other leaders who may consider committing similar crimes. The 46-year-old former rebel leader sat silently as the judge highlighted the fact that his intelligence and
3: military experience suggested he should have known better. The bodies of at least 12 gold miners have been recovered following a mudslide in an abandoned gold mine in Kithiani, a gold mining town east of Guinea's capital, Conakry. Local authorities say they fear more bodies remained trapped underground, but they aren't sure how many. The mine is understood to have been recently abandoned by a large multinational company. Since they left, residents have been flocking to the site in search of gold. Former Kenya President Daniel Moy has been discharged from hospital following his admission 10 days ago. He was being treated for an undisclosed illness. Moi was Kenya's longest serving president in office for 24 years from 1978 to 2002. He ruled the country with an iron fist and was accused of human rights abuses. Under international pressure, he allowed multi-party elections in 1992. Which were marked by widespread violence and allegations of rigging. For the 28th time, the United Nations General Assembly has overwhelmingly adopted an annual resolution on ending sanctions imposed by the United States of America against Cuba. South Africa joined the 186 countries in voting in favor of the resolution as the envoys of the United States and Cuba traded verbal blows against the human rights record in both countries. As shown Rice-Peace reports, despite the annual passage of the resolution to lift the embargo required, an act of Congress.
6: Despite the six decades long policy of the United States being rejected overwhelmingly by the- the international community, Washington has refused to budge, arguing rather that the embargo is a response to Cuba's poor human rights record, which includes the arbitrary targeting of rights defenders and journalists. This was rejected by Cuba's foreign minister, Bruno Rodriguez Perilla, who rejected Washington's moral authority to criticize his country's human rights record. He told the assembly that the accumulated damages from the blockade amounted to almost $932 billion.
3: And that's the News Headlines at seven thirty Central African time.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial. From an
7: African From perspective.
1: perspective. Most of the Democratic Republic of Congo's people have welcomed the International Criminal Court's decision and sentencing of former warlord Bosco Ntaganda to 30 years in prison. Taganda was sentenced for war crimes and crimes against humanity he committed in the DRC's northeastern province of Ituri. Some of the Congolese believe he should be sentenced for similar crimes he committed in the country's eastern province of North Kivu, as well, jean with Bamweza reports from Kinshasa.
4: Most of people who spoke to Channel Africa as they got informed about the International Criminal Court's decision expressed happiness, although they described the 30 years given to the former warlord Bosco Contaganda as not enough. The important side of the ICC decision is that the sentence will be used as a lesson to all the other criminals who are busy operating in other areas of the Democratic Republic of Congo, especially in the east where dozens of armed groups, both foreign and local, are committing more crimes. That's indeed what this activist from the Civil Engagement for Change, well known as Icha, told Channel Africa. Fred Chinano.
8: a good thing so, so that uh, you can be a lesson for all of uh, the persons that uh, are uh, criminals. Uh, there is no number of years uh, which uh, can be accepted uh, for someone to kill another one. But I can say it's just uh, a lesson that uh, we can give to another person which is uh, the criminal. It's just uh, a lesson, I can say. But those years I think that uh, not a uh, few
4: the sentence that has been given to Boscon Taganda is the heaviest ever handed by the International Criminal Court. The former warlord is accused of recruiting child soldiers and ordering murders, looting and rapes committed by his troops in 2002 and 2003 in the northeastern province of Ituri. It's indeed all the people here in the DRC who are happy since justice has been done Patrick Muyaya is an MP from Kinshasa.
8: We are happy because the justice is done. A lot of Congolese people died because of the behavior. And I hope this decision will be followed as an example for those who are trying to continue to do those kind of things. We are happy and we hope that all the victims will find in decision a kind of comfort for what they have known because of those Kotangangas you know we must be confident with this military system especially of ITC and I can say that everything they forward all the procedure.
4: And according to this fight for change civil movement well known as Lucha leader Espar Ntaganda did so many bad things and people have kept bad memories of him and him being sentenced to 30 years in prison is a good decision but he should be sentenced for same crimes that he committed in the North Kivu as well. Espar 30
8: years are not enough. We could need if he could get many years to be in in jail, but we can't complain as he gets punishment. He did many bad things. He killed many people, and as he is in jail, it's okay for us. And if he could, if he could spend all his life in the jail, it could be better for us. He's condemned for many crimes which he did in Ituri only, but not in Askivo. and. After his punishment, we can suggest those guys to restart again in judgment for the crimes which he did in Naskivu. The common point on those crimes is if he killed many, many people. This is the common point. And the difference is between Naskivu is not Ituri. He is condemned because of crimes which he makes in Ituri. And those crimes which she, which he did in Naskibo is not condemned, and we could suggest, in our justice, to start the process. Maybe when he could be free, our justice can start for the crime which she makes in Naskibo.
4: And indeed, both local and international NGOs reported that more than 60,000 people were killed in the bloody violence during Taganda's operation in Ituri. Jean Noël Bamweze for Channel Africa in Kinshasa.
1: The unrest in Chile has seen more than 20 people die and thousands more injured and detained since it began nearly three weeks ago. A growing number of allegations of human rights abuses by armed forces against demonstrators has prompted an investigation by the UN. And the president, Sebastian Pineda, has promised those found guilty of crimes will be brought to justice. The BBC's South America correspondent Katie Watson reports from Santiago.
0: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa.
1: For the 28th time, the United Nations General Assembly has overwhelmingly adopted an annual resolution on the necessity of ending the economic, commercial and financial blockade imposed by the United States against Cuba. South Africa joined 186 countries in voting in favor of the resolution as the envoys of the U.S. and Cuba traded verbal blows against the human rights records in both countries. by Bricepiece reports.
9: The result of the vote is as follows.
6: A symbolic rebuke from the international community, with 187 in favor, three against, including Brazil and Israel, with two abstentions. And despite the six decades-long policy of the United States being rejected overwhelmingly by the international community, Washington has refused to budge. Listen to U.S. Ambassador Kelly Craft.
10: For the 28th time... The resolution will likely pass almost unanimously. My government, and perhaps a few others, will oppose it. Like all nations, we get to choose which countries we trade with. This is our sovereign right. So it is worrying that the international community, in the name of protecting sovereignty, continues to challenge this right. But what is even more concerning is that every year this body entertains the claim that the Cuban regime has no other choice than to abuse its own people in response to the embargo.
6: In a policy shift, Brazil, a member of BRICS, for the first time joined the United States in voting against the resolution as right-wing President Jair Bolsonaro seeks to draw closer to U.S. President Donald Trump. Bolsonaro has long been critical of Brazil's past policy of rapprochement with Cuba and in a recent speech delivered at the General Assembly in September argued that Cuban plans to establish socialism across Latin America must be combated. And while the United States sought to make the case against Cuba's human rights record, including arbitrary arrests of rights defenders and journalists, Havana's top diplomat Bruno Rodriguez Parilla ridiculed Washington's moral authority to criticize his country.
5: de la tortura the murder of civilians by U.S. troops in different parts of the world, the use of torture, the assassination of Afro-Americans by the police, of migrants by border patrols, the death of unaccompanied minors under migration detention, the abusive and racially biased application of the death penalty, which is applied against minors and mentally disabled persons. All of this must be condemned.
6: He told the Assembly that the accumulated damages of the embargo has cost his country almost $923 billion.
5: The blockade has caused incalculable humanitarian damages. It is a flagrant, massive, and systematic violation of human rights. It qualifies as an act of genocide under Articles 2b and c of the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide adopted in 1948. There is not one single Cuban family that has not suffered the consequences of this.
6: Venezuela itself, under sanction from the United States, joined the chorus of the majority in labelling the U.S. policy antithetical to the U.N. Charter. Foreign Minister Jorge Ariaza.
7: Hermanos y hermanas son ya 28 años seguidos
5: for 28 years now the general assembly the most democratic body in this organization has called for an end to the economic commercial and financial blockade which thwarts the right to development of the heroic cuban people and also seeks unconstitutional regime change in the sisterly Socialist Republic of Cuba, the Cuba of Martí, the Cuba of Fidel. But they have never attained that goal and they never will.
6: South Africa, speaking Wednesday through Ambassador Jerry Machila, expressed concern at the escalation of U.S. aggression against Cuba and the region and the rolling back of the administration of former President Barack Obama's engagement with the island nation. Despite their efforts, the GA text remains unenforceable, as lifting the embargo requires an act of Congress in the United States. I'm Sherman Bryce Pease in New York.
1: Zimbabwean commercial farmers have raised concern over fresh farm invasions that have resurfaced, leading to the displacement of elderly white farmers. On Wednesday, Gary and Joe Hansman were left stranded when their farm near Chinoy, 115 kilometers west of the capital, was taken over. The land invasions are taking place at a time when government has been issuing statements to the fact that no more land grabs would be taking place in the country. Following Some violent farm invasions in the early 2000s, more than 30 white commercial farmers died and that resulted in the United States, UK and European Union imposing targeted sanctions on top officials and government behind the brutal land grabs. Simon Metremor has more.
11: Farm invasions have started in Zimbabwe at a time when the country is experiencing poor harvests owing to climate change droughts. On Wednesday, a 75-year-old white commercial farmer, Gary Hensman, and his wife Jo were evicted from their farm near Chinoi after a long legal battle to stop the move. The farm occupation was done in the absence of a court order raising questions regarding how sincere the government was regarding putting to rest the land issue. Economic experts say continued farm battles have tarnished the image of the country and nothing but a miracle may help rescue the Badat nation. Channel Africa spoke to Commercial Farmers Union CFU President Ben Gilpin, who raised concern over the continued farm invasions.
7: And clearly the ministry has to act. The the sheriff doesn't take instructions from the ministry. They take instructions from uh, the courts. At this stage, we understand that the sheriff has gone back to remove workshop items today, but we will see what happens with the courts. It's it's really distressing to see a 75-year-old man being chucked out of his home um, when largely a lot of this could have been avoided if there was a more transparent process by which commercial farmers who are active and productive could get offer letters. Uh, the minister has indicated that he's happy to try and uh, get this process dealt with at head office and bypass some of the, the challenges that farmers face at local levels where often uh, the process is not done transparently. But the outcome is effectively uh, uh, somebody's lives has been totally disrupted. There have been uh, police officers armed there. And effectively, all the guys been trying to do is carry on farm and uh, contribute productively.
11: Commercial Farmers Union has bemoaned loss of production on the farms targeted for occupation at the moment and urged government to be transparent. Several what commercial farmers who had earlier in the year 2000 been booted out of their farms returned when some assurances were given by the current President Emerson Mnangagwa that land invasions had stopped. Offer letters were issued to the returning farmers But now, some of those farmers are losing that land yet again, being explained.
7: It's a a very traumatic experience and something that so many farmers have gone through over the last 20-odd years. We wish it was finished. I think what uh, uh, clearly dealing with people who have gained access to land through the revolution is is a, a very sensitive issue for government. But if the country needs to recover, they also need to, to deal with uh, the reality of getting production going and making access to land something that is not based on race, um, but rather on ability to farm. We hope that this happens soon and uh, we find a way out and no further incidents like this occur. Meanwhile,
11: compensation for the land that was taken away from the white commercial farmers is going on, and to date, 460 out of 750 farmers have received their dues. While the matter is still controversial in Zimbabwe, Commercial Farmers Union is delighted, government acknowledged and decided to pay Gilpin said,
7: So I'll go back again there and say, so for those that first received money in June, the value was close to uh, almost... uh, Five thousand uh, US dollars, and now it's 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 continuously losing value. It's still being well received by people who are many people are well in their seventies, eighties. Uh, we've had a couple of guys close to hundred receive this, and 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 the measure of it is is that it was a measure of goodwill. But if you look at it in real terms, to pay five thousand. Uh, for a farm that was a productive farm which probably had an annual turnover for, for many farmers in excess of uh, three, four hundred thousand U.S. dollars, um, many more in excess of that, to pay that after 20 years, is, is it's an acknowledgement but much, much more needs to be done.
11: In Harare, Zimbabwe, for Channel Africa, this is Simon Muchemwa.
1: Since early June, Hong Kong has been locked in political conflict opposition to a plan for extradition to mainland Chinese courts controlled by the Communist Party, triggered the mass demonstrations, which have now become a call for widespread reform, including universal suffrage. Most observers... Didn't expect the conflict there to last this long. Now they're wondering if the city has been transformed into a place of permanent rebellion. The BBC's China correspondent Stephen McDonnell has been covering Hong Kong's protests from the beginning. He looks at the new reality in the territory.
12: Five months in and Hong Kong's political crisis continues. This is now a city where protesting is the norm. You can't move around Hong Kong without seeing the graffiti, calling for democratic reforms, abusing the police, and demanding an inquiry into alleged links between Hong Kong's police and organised crime. Subway station entrances are burnt out. Shops are closing early. Some have had to close altogether as business is being driven out of the city and yet Hong Kong's activists are still turning out in their thousands. One young activist says, well, it's heartbreaking to see the destruction in his city, that this movement has also transformed people. Before the protests, Hong Kongers used to be distanced from each other, but these rallies have really drawn us closer you can see strangers fighting side-by-side on streets and discussing the future together. The 26-year-old says he's inspired by their protest anthem, Glory to Hong Kong. But can he imagine the day when this so-called glory is achieved and they can stop taking to the streets? Not till the day Hong Kongers have real democracy and freedom. Hong Kong is now one of the most political cities in the world. And the longer the crisis goes on, the more people are being pressured into choosing a side. Activists colour code businesses like shops and restaurants according to their political allegiances. If an establishment is deemed to be pro-Beijing, then it's seen as a legitimate target for attack. Yes, we've been attacked, but the colour, how they categorise us, we can't control this. Our boss is actually neutral. A manager at this small chain of Hong Kong cafes says they've already had to shut one of their outlets. Apart from a protester boycott, there's been a 50% drop in tourist numbers and an economy in technical recession. There are going to be long-term effects. This isn't a short-term thing. This protester works in the finance sector.
6: They can't blame the recession simply on protests. The city shouldn't rely on finance and retail as much as we do.
12: On his way to work on Monday morning, he acknowledges the damage which this conflict is causing in Hong Kong, but says he hopes that eventually the demonstrations will lead to a freer, more sustainable economy.
6: Whether I'm in an office for work or protesting in black, I'm
12: the same person. Every Hong Konger supporting the protests now leads the same double life. China's President Xi Jinping has expressed full confidence in Hong Kong's leader, Carrie Lam dispelling widespread speculation that she'd be sacked for her administration's poor handling of the situation. The chief executive says she won't negotiate with demonstrators as long as the clashes continue. However, the protesters have shown a resilience that the government didn't anticipate and enjoy a level of community support which the authorities have underestimated. Either way, it seems there's now no going back to the way Hong Kong was.
1: That report by the BBC's China correspondent, Stephen McDonnell. Nigerians have in the past two months will rather come back to that story after the headlines.
12: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
13: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy which can ensure full employment
12: The globe every second, there's always a breaking story.
11: Culturanjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
9: Reporting for Channel Africa, I am Hilda Keke in Zambia.
12: Our cutting edge and hard hitting journalism leaves no stone unturned, giving you the whole picture every time. George Muhango channel africa blanter
14: reporting for channel africa this is Moki Kinzeka in yaoundi
0: from an african perspective listen to channel africa in english kiswahili french Silozi portuguese and chinyanja informing the world about africa
12: join us every
0: day and know what is happening around you channel africa This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa.
1: Our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
2: S.A.B.C. News, independent and impartial. From an African
3: perspective. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussan. The headline, South Sudan leaders have again failed to reach an agreement on a power-sharing unity government. The bodies of 12 gold miners have been recovered following a mudslide in an abandoned gold mine in Kithinan, east of Guinea's capital, Conakry, and the United Nations has overwhelmingly adopted an annual resolution on ending uh, sanctions imposed by the United States against Cuba for the 28th time. Those are the stories making headlines.
2: SABC News, independent and impartial. From an African perspective.
3: perspective.
1: perspective. Nigerians have in the past two months been shocked by the number of people that the police had to rescue from illegal detention centres, some of which were masquerading as religious study and rehabilitation centres. Hidden away from the eyes of the public are the atrocities which were only made public after the police were called in to invade the facilities which, to say the least, are not fit for animal habitation talk less of humans and the situation faced daily by the inmates some of whom were forced into the places including others from countries in the ECOWAS region leaving one in doubt of the intentions of the operators of such places. Colin Zato reports.
14: There are not enough words to adequately describe the incidences of the past six weeks in which human beings including children and infants were discovered to have been locked up in places berating as Islamic religious studies and rehabilitation centers at different places in Nigeria. Such places which have now come to include girls camping ground for the purpose of making babies that are sold to the highest bidders leaves one in no doubt as to the purpose the inmates have served before they were discovered by security agents. In one of the recent discoveries during the week at Ibadan. Badon, the Oyo State capital in southwest Nigeria. The police could not believe their findings in a busy place where there seems to be no nightfalls because of the social activities. The Commissioner of Police in Oyo State, Shino Olukolu, says inmates who die in such centers are not reported to anyone. There is a detention, an illegal detention facility somewhere in Owode Apata, being run by someone who claimed to have the powers. To be able to change the antisocial behaviors of youngsters and others. However, the young man said they were being maltreated, they are not being well fed, they are being treated like slaves, and they are engaged in forced labor. And sometimes their death is not reported to anybody. The evidence of that was seen in the numerous grave sites dotting the rare ground of the Ibadan facility, but while no such sites were noticed at the centers in other places, that nonetheless did not stop the relevant agencies from being worried about what could have been the lot of the inmates in those facilities which pretend to run educational programs while indeed taking advantage of the inmates. Julie Oka Donnelly is the Director General of the National Agency for the Prohibition of Trafficking in Persons, NAPTIP.
9: There are so many places like this, you know. They hide under the guise of schooling and they they torture children, they traffic children, they sodomize them, they rape them. They do all sorts of evil things to them. Now we are not even sure of how many people have died in this facility because it is possible that a number of people would have died in a facility such as this. So there's so much, so much work to do and I'm ready to get to the bottom of this one.
14: Getting to the bottom of inhuman places like this will not make impact without the necessary action that could serve as deterrent to anyone who may likely dream of such centers in the future the cardinal state commissioner for police ali janga under whose command the first discovery was made says investigations will be conducted and corporate brought to book
11: this place is neither a rehab or an islamic school because you can see it yourself small children some of them are brought from our neighboring countries Burkina faso mali ghana and the rest and the children gathered here are from all over the country they were here some of them were even chained they were used to humanize you can see it yourself. We'll investigate the man he is, if he is found wanting with his other core conspirators who are not him in court.
14: Nigerians are a people with strong attachments to whatever religion they practice. And the government try as much as possible not to do anything that could rock the political boat of the nation through religion. And the citizenry knows the limit of religious tolerance, especially where Islam is concerned. This perhaps is the reason it has been difficult for people to do anything even when they notice uncommon trends around them. But Julie. Oka Dunley says, what the facility managers are involved in is anything but worshipping God.
9: You can't be worshipping God and treating people like animals. Which God is that? I mean, they come under various guises like religion. They hide under the cover of religion to carry out those acts. Now, some of these boys said that they were sodomized. There are so many questions that have been left unanswered. Were they sodomized by fellow victims in the torture chambers where they were? Or were they being sodomized by men who were coming from outside and paying money? to have them as their sex slaves? These are questions, there's so many questions you need to ask. The police have started investigations and we're applying to the police to join us because we're a very interested party. Now, this man is claiming that some parents brought these children. How are we sure that those so-called parents did not kidnap these children and they ended up here? What is in it for this guy? It cannot be free. There's no free lunch. Who are those behind this place? There's more to read than meets the eye. We need to investigate this guy thoroughly.
14: Investigation is ongoing, but what is not certain is the outcome and what will follow. Taking the whole issue into account, three possibilities are seeable, but only two are openly expressed in the narratives of these two victims and that of the Director General of Naptip.
9: Well, the truth is that um, there are children from other countries, so this is a case of smuggling of migrants. This is a big case of human trafficking. This is smuggling of migrants into Nigeria. Those children from other countries, how were they brought in, who brought them, and for what purpose were they brought?
4: My auntie in Namakwaibu told me I should go to Court. He get one woman that
9: can buy the baby. If I deliver the baby, she will buy it and give me money they took me to hospital god help me i deliver that child they collect the baby from me i do not see that child again
14: the third unexpressed but highly considered to be true is that this could be the sources of supply of food soldiers which are used to detonate ieds on soft targets while that remains, the reason for taking these victims to the centers could be as trivial as changing from one fate to another, or if you are suspected to be considering jumping boat. As the search for solutions to these harrowing developments continue, there is the fear that many more of such centers are bound and may now go underground to avoid detection. Proper parenting is also being advocated to minimize situations that could lead children into the hands of the enemy. With revelation of such houses having been discovered in neighboring Benin Republic also, the feeling is that there is a link between them and the victim of terror gangs kidnapping may have also been kept there. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am calling Snosa Atohimbe for Channel Africa News.
1: A team of scientists has discovered a new strain of HIV for the first time in 19 years. The findings show the role next-generation genome sequencing is playing in helping researchers stay one step ahead of mutating viruses and avoiding new pandemics. Abbott Laboratories says it's making this new strain accessible to the research community to evaluate its impact to diagnostic testing, treatment and potential vaccines. According to the Joint United Nations Programme on HIV and AIDS-UNAIDS, there were approximately 37.9 million people across the globe with HIV-AIDS in 2018. More from Dr. Kuku Apia, the Director of Medical and Scientific Affairs, Abbott Rapid Diagnostic. A branch of Abbott Laboratories.
2: We are announcing that we have discovered a new strain. It's called HIV 1 group M subtype L. So, the HIV 1 group M is the commonest subtype of HIV. It affects up to 90% of people, but we have discovered a specific subtype of it called subtype L. What happens is that there's a process that's been laid out that investigators have to use before you can declare a new subtype. So you need to have three samples collected in different times and analyzed. And what we have done as Abbott is collaborated with other researchers and found the third sample of the subtype. So there were two samples that had been identified, one in the 80s and one in the 90s from the DRC. And in 2001, a sample was collected in the DRC which Abbott, working with other researchers, has been able to identify recently as the third sample for that group M, subtype L, HIV-1 subtype.
9: Talk to us about the characteristics, Doctor, of this subtype. How different is it from the subtypes that we already know about?
2: So there are multiple subtypes that exist already, and this specific subtype has been identified. And so now that it's been identified, the characteristics of it will be shared with the global community. And then other researchers will be able to then find out how prevalent is this new subtype and what are the characteristics of the new subtype.
9: Why is it important to know what strains of the virus are circulating?
2: So HIV and hepatitis are diseases that as they're being spread, they keep on mutating and changing their nature. So it's important that in three specific areas, the importance of knowing all the subtypes, uh, one, with when we are looking at how to prevent the disease and specifically around HIV vaccines, it's important to know which subtypes are out there because a the vaccine needs to be made in order to counteract specific subtypes. It's also the same with treatment. The HIV treatments would work on specific subtypes. So it's up to the scientific community to keep up to date and make sure that the treatments that are out there are managing any new subtype that's being discovered. And thirdly, and most importantly, would be in the testing. So if you don't have the characteristics of the subtype or all the subtypes that exist, it's difficult to have up-to-date tests that would detect the different subtypes of HIV. So this discovery is important in terms of prevention, treatment and testing of HIV. On
9: that note, the current treatments for HIV, are they effective against the subtype?
2: So because we've only now characterized the subtype and put it out into the scientific community, we will be able to answer those questions as we look at individuals who are maybe not responding as well to treatment and then be able to determine. So for now, we don't know whether the subtype is related to a better or a poorer outcome with treatment. But that information will start coming out. Now that we've announced this new subtype, the scientific community will have access to the characteristics And then in time, we'll be able to determine how people who are affected with this subtype are different from other people.
9: Now, the recognition or discovery of this new subtype, is it a cause for alarm?
2: No, it's a good thing because it gives us more information. It's definitely not a cause for alarm, especially since we are saying that this first sample of this subtype was collected in the 80s. So this subtype has been circulating for decades. But now it gives us the more information we have about the HIV virus, the more empowered we are to combat and eradicate the virus. So this is an additional information that has come out about the virus. And I think it's good news. It helps us to better be prepared in the war against HIV.
1: That's Dr. Apia, the Director of Medical and Scientific Affairs at Abbott, Rapid Diagnostics, a branch of Abbott Laboratories, on the line speaking to Elizabeth Ludicha.
12: Across the globe, every second, there's always a breaking story.
13: What we want to achieve is a healthy and vibrant economy, which can ensure full employment,
0: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet, and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa.
1: Our economics update up next with Tavis Oluhogu.
10: Good morning. Germany's biggest airline, Lufthansa, has cancelled 1,300 flights after it lost the last-minute legal bid to halt a strike by cabinet crew. About 180,000... Passengers are faced with the travel disruptions after Flight Attendance Union, the UFO, announced that the strike would hit all Lufthansa flights from German airports. The two-day action is over pay and conditions. The departure table on the Frankfurt Airport's website shows scores of cancelled flights to European destinations and on transatlantic routes. Lufthansa says that passengers travelling between German airports can exchange their tickets online for rail tickets. Other passengers will be offered alternative flights. The Pentagon says that the U.S. will not profit from Syrian petroleum despite having deployed troops to protect oil fields in the east of the country. During a news conference announcing the death of Islamic State militant group leader Abu Bakr al Bahadi in a U.S. raid last month, President Donald Trump raised the possibility of American oil companies taking over the oil fields in the eastern Syria. The Pentagon's spokesperson, Jonathan Hoffman, has now told reporters in Washington that the revenue will go to the Kurdish-led Syrian Democratic Forces and not the U.S.
8: We are going to continue with our efforts to maintain it, not just to keep it from ISIS, but as the Secretary has mentioned previously, uh, to provide the Kurds in the area and the SDF with for the forces to actually have a, a revenue stream and an ability to, uh, to work on, on building up their strength for, to, on the de-ISIS campaign.
10: Customs officials in Nigeria have banned the sale of petrol within 20 kilometers of the country's borders. The controversial move is an attempt to prevent heavily subsidized Nigerian petrol from being smuggled for sale in neighboring countries. The BBC's Chris Ewokol reports.
0: Nigeria Customs Service spokesman Joseph Atta told the BBC the proliferation of petrol stations around border towns have been used to divert millions of liters of petroleum products. He said the restrictions are meant to curb smuggling. Nigeria has kept its land borders closed to trade since August in an attempt to limit foreign products. Neighboring countries have expressed anger over the impact the closure is having on their economies.
10: South Africa's power utility has appealed to the nation to use electricity sparingly. ESCOM implemented stage 2 load shedding from 10 o'clock last night until 5 this morning local time. It says it lost three additional generating units on Thursday and had to use emergency reserves to meet demand. Eskom adds that load shedding is aimed to replenish these reserves as they are at a critical level. A deputy spokesperson for Eskom, Dik it gives residents ways to save electricity and avoid load shedding.
2: Today, unfortunately, we lost three additional generating units and had to use our emergency reserves in order to meet demand throughout the day. And as a result of that, we now have our emergency reserves at critical low levels and need to replenish them overnight in order to meet tomorrow's forecasted demand in electricity. The risk of load shedding is there for tomorrow as well.
10: Kenya leads the region in the number of adults falling under the middle class. According to the latest findings of our Credit Suisse Research Institute, the country has the largest number of individuals who possess financial or non financial assets in East Africa. The study attributes the trend to the vibrancy of the Kenyan economy compared to its peers. The US dollar is trading at 360.45 Nigerian Nara, 10.74. Botswana Pula one hundred one eighty six Kenyan Shilling and thirteen forty nine Zambian Kwacha. In B R I C S currencies, one U S dollar will cost you four eight a Brazilian roll, a sixty three sixty five Russian Ruble, seventy seventy Indian Rupee, six sixty nine. Uh, Chinese yuan and 1475 to the South African rand. The US dollar is also trading at 77 pence to the British pound and at 90 cents to the euro. A look at commodities markets now gold thousand four sixty eight dollars, platinum nine zero six dollars pounds. The price of brand crude oil is at sixty two dollars, eighteen cents a barrel. Tabi Solo Hoko, Channel Africa, Africa rise and shine.
1: Our sports update up next with what you Figele, there's a lot happening. Uh, Bangana, Banyana left, won, won um, a few weeks ago, won um, a cup.
15: Uh, Banyana Banyana are in Japan now. Yeah, this they left
1: great. for Japan yet the, the day the Bocker arrived back in the country, right? Yeah,
15: they're playing friendly. They, they are out. They're out of their, uh, well, they lost the Africa Cup of Nations. Mm-hmm. They, they did not qualify for next year's Olympics. So they're just playing friendlies now. So they're in a friend in Japan. Then Bafana under 23, they are also, they are the ones who are playing to qualify for uh, the Olympics next year Mm -hmm. in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. So they are in Egypt playing the Africa Cup of Nations. Three of the African teams have to qualify. If they become top three, then they've qualified already. And then it's uh, the big derby in, in South Africa. It's same as the El Clasico and in Italy and also in England. So it's also a big match all over the continent and some parts of of Europe.
1: All right, give us an update.
15: Free State Rugby have expressed their disappointment that the current euphoria felt in major centers around the country won't be experienced in Bloemfontein during the Springboks Champions Tour over the next five days. In a statement released on Thursday, Jerry Sehwaba, the president of the union, said Free State Rugby shares the frustration and unhappiness of supporters, specifically due to the fact that the Central Region has not been included in the victory tour of the Springboks. In the springboard lock Louis Diaga will undergo an operation to his right shoulder, which was dislocated during the Rugby World Cup final against England on the weekend. He is expected to return to full fitness in four to six months. Diaga sustained the injury in the first quarter of the match after making a tackle on an English player. He was immediately replaced by Franco Mostert after showing signs of obvious discomfort. The operation will only take place next week in Cape Town once the swelling around the joint has subsided. A thrilling six weeks of domestic cricket season is upon us SMZanti Super League retains this weekend. And for bowling stalwart Moni Mokel, there is no better platform for a homecoming than this. Based in Australia nowadays, Mokel will form part of a star-studded tournament Spartan side, making a return to Super Sport Park Base, where he began his career over a decade. But yeah, great
3: to be back. I sort of last night it, it felt surreal, the right word. Um, it was pretty, pretty weird. You know, I didn't expect that to be honest. Just walking down here down the steps, you know, before training, so many mem- memories came back back to my mind. And uh, yeah, it's just great to, to to relive that a little bit. Yeah, to play for for the Spartans now. Uh, obviously watched a lot of Mzanzi last year, and sort of it was disappointed that I that I wasn't part of it. But you know, it's a new year now. and great great for me to to be involved
15: and we've got a fantastic squad. In local football news, South African premiership side Orlando Pirates head coach Rulani Mugwena has chopped and changed this midfield in the past two months but one of the constant features in the heart of the midfield has been Fortune Makaringe. Ahead of the Soweto derby against arch rivals Kaiser Chiefs at the FNB Stadium south of Johannesburg this weekend, Makaringe is relishing another opportunity to start in front of a solid and sold out spectacle at the Calabash.
13: For me, it's, 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 it's been an honor and a privilege to be playing alongside all these, all these uh, great footballers because well, each one of them comes with something different that actually complements the style of play of the team. So it's more about the team and for us to, to motivate and inspire one another and work well with one another to, to make sure that the, the team clicks well. That's something that I, I had never actually noticed. But then the, the confidence lies within the whole team. So I gain, my, I gain, I, I gain my, my confidence from each and every member in the team.
15: Pirates are coming to this crucial game against Chiefs without the services of their captain, Hebigele, who was sent off during a midweek game against Marisburg United. It remains to be seen which pair at centre back Mugwena will choose to go with, but according to Makaringe, they have got capable players to take over.
13: As the coach is a integral of our team. But we know we have a lot of number of players that, that can do the job. That can do the job for the team. So we, we have depth in the team and everyone has been doing well and training well. So someone else is gonna come in and fill the job for the parents family. Oh, yeah.
0: Africa Rise and Shine Africa Tzorna Africa
13: Amuka Na
1: Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, Congolese welcome the ICC's sentencing of Bosco Ntaganda and Zimbabwe's commercial farmers worried about fresh farm invasions resurfacing in that country. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today and for the week. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Lebo Munamoholo, technical producer Wiseman Mangale, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at Rise Shine Africa. I'm taking us to the top of the hour. Is Sipo Hotsticks Labuse with a track titled Jive Soweto.